Hi, welcome to another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. I'm Peter Bulmer, owner of Cars Magazine and Jobber News. This is a podcast dedicated to exploring issues facing today's Canadian aftermarket professionals, sponsored by SiriusXM Canada. SiriusXM is making it possible to offer your customers three months of free satellite radio. Go to SiriusXM.ca slash four shops for details. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. I'm your host, Peter Wolmer, joined today by Jeff Oakes, the Chair of Trades and Apprenticeship at Conestoga College. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks, Peter, for having me. It's my delight. Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to having you on quite a bit. So for those listeners of ours who probably don't know too much about you or your background, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into the industry, your current involvement in it, and your kind of role in education. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, well, I have no expectations that anybody knows who I am, so I'll give you the background. So yeah, again, uh, my name is Jeff Oakes, and uh, currently I'm the Chair of Trades and Apprenticeship, but my pathway here is a little bit unusual because I am in the world of academia. I started out as a car fanatic when I was was young. I loved everything about vehicles. I loved cars. I loved performance. I just, cars were, cars were my thing. And it translated into my direction through high school and uh, in co-op placements and eventually getting an apprenticeship at a small little two-bay garage in a little town just north of where I am right now, just north of Guelph. Uh, And it was just myself and my boss. And we were both young and we just worked. And it was great. We got along marvelously. But it was six days a week. And um, it was one of those places, Peter, where... You know, you'd look at the clock, it'd be five o'clock and the local parts store was almost closed and you'd look out in the uh, the parking lot and you'd still have three or four cars to go. So you order all the parts you could and you just work till like eight at night. And I did that for many, many years and I loved it. But there was a point there just where we were in the time uh, that it was that I just saw myself starting to become very interested in drivability and body electrical. So through a connection made with a friend, I made the jump into the dealership world, uh, which was interesting because that was the comparison between straight time and flat rate. Uh, And I went to a General Motors dealership. They were the only ones hiring at the time. And I really appreciated everything they taught me there. Um, They trained me very well. I specialized in body electrical and drivability, engine rebuilding, plus all the general repairs that uh, occur. And I was actually heading towards a shop foreman position. That was kind of my goal. And I had talked to management about that. And then a door at Conestoga College opened up, which is where I took my apprenticeship training. And it just intrigued me. Uh, So my wife and I chatted about that. I tried it. The door miraculously stayed open long enough for me to be hired. And I started teaching at the college. And I taught at the college for 17 years. In that time period, I became the automotive coordinator, and that was a great role. And just two years ago, just before COVID, uh, I moved into a chair of motive power trades. The timing wasn't ideal now in reflection, but I've I've learned a lot. Yeah, I mean, there's never a good position to go into COVID with, but sounds like you handled it pretty well. So what what exactly is your day-to-day look like in the school? Yeah, my day-to-day right now is I'm managing five programs right now that are underneath me. Four of them are repair. So that would be 
motorcycle technician, automotive service technician, truck and coach service technician, heavy equipment service technician, and then heavy equipment operator. So I manage the daily running of the uh, of my area. Uh, we happen to be at the Guelph campus, which is for now in COVID primarily trade-based. Uh, during COVID, we actually had in-person shops, although we were online for delivery. I walk through the shops and make sure everything's going well, plan for future needs, whether it's budgetary or whether it's maybe I need a new staff member or something like that. So I just, I manage the ship. Let's put it that way. Yeah, very cool. So how do you find the difference between sort of being boots on the ground, being in the shop six days a week, transitioning over more to a education role where you're able to sort of help guide the new young minds of tomorrow? Uh, You know, it was fantastic because if anybody who knows me prior to being at the college, I talked about cars all the time. So it was kind of a natural transition over. Well, for example, when I became a professor here, let's just pick random days here. July 28th, 29th, I was working on the floor as a licensed technician doing safeties, working on vehicles. Three days later, I was sitting in my office with a curriculum in my hand, a textbook, and a timetable. And I had a month to prepare. And I was like, what just happened? It was just, it was incredible. Uh, <laughs> so you do a deep dive into the, the inner workings of vehicles. I brought a lot of the dealership and the independent shop with me. And I found really, it was interesting because when I started teaching after a year, I found that you could see how if you didn't keep your hand in the field, you would start to lose track. So I actually went back to the dealership for 10 summers in a row and worked at the dealership during the summer, which is interesting. And some of my my early students would, would agree with this. You would go to the dealership. It would take me a couple of days to get back into tech mode, but it would take me until almost October to get back into teaching mode. But you brought currency to the classroom and that was valuable. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Now, since we're talking about keeping current and the development of curriculum. Hmm. This is something that I have been curious about. That's been talked about in this podcast before, and that's always kind of of interest. How do you keep the curriculum current? How do you keep the training the most up-to-date it can be? I mean, it's got to be so challenging because you're preparing students for an industry that is so rapidly changing. The technology is growing at such a crazy rate, and they're going to independent shops, they're going to part stores sometimes, and they're going to the dealership side. So how do you kind of marry all of those? Oh, that's a great question. And can I just say from right from the start, it's not easy. And I wouldn't say for a second that we've ever perfected that. Interestingly enough, we just had faculty meetings here and I was talking to some of my faculty and a number of them are like, yeah, yeah, I worked worked on the floor this summer. And uh, yeah, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. And they have been working the whole time because we, we're gearheads, all of us here. We enjoy working on vehicles. In fact, I will come back to your question. Sorry, Peter, I'm on a bunny trail now. But um, some nights I would be here till eight o'clock at night with students who wanted to rebuild an engine. And it was, we love it. So to stay current ourselves, you basically have to be invested in the industry all the time. A lot of the local shops here know me. Well, I taught apprenticeship for 17 years. So there's there's not a lot of shops that I go into and they're like, do I know you? Quite a few of my, my students are in the local area. So you go there, you talk with them, you help them. 
but you know, the one of the things that um, keeps us current is the fact that we are accountable to employers, but also to students. You cannot walk into your classroom, and I'll just use this as a an aside example, and tell them about here's something you you need to know about throttle body fuel injection. Well, like that hasn't been around since '93. You can't have that in your mind. You have to be as current as possible. So it's a lot of studying. It's a lot of working on cars yourself, uh, which most of us still do. We still work on cars and tinker. It's a lot of driving around with scan tools and making sure that you know what parameters are. So, you know, I'm cruising down the road at in a three liter V6 at 80 kilometers an hour with a slight tailwind. What's my math sensor reading? All of those things are so critical because you can snapshot those and you can play them in the classroom and you can show students uh, what's current. We also try our very best to keep current with what's in our compound. Uh, so right now, we're one of the schools that hopped on this quite early. I taught uh, hybrid technologies and then into EVs starting back in 2015 as a standalone course to our post-secondaries. I was really intrigued with the technology of it. Uh, and now we can see where we're going as far as our, a rapid pace. Electric vehicles are coming out. Like the Tesla Plaid is a shockingly fast, no pun intended, vehicle. But yet it was superseded in just a couple of days by the Nevera which is all of that stuff plays into the drive to be current. So let's go to curriculum for a second. If somebody says we're working on older curriculum and apprenticeship, they're right. They really are. I would know this because myself, I was on the curriculum writing team for a provincial automotive curriculum. And I know that when we finished the curriculum, that's been a couple of years ago and it is yet to be released. It's with the OCOT slowdown. I'm not pointing fingers, but it sure would be nice if it was released because it was a major refresh. Uh, so currently we're in apprenticeship, we're a little handcuffed, but we can still take new technology. For example, if they give us a, a title of, please talk about fuel injection systems, we can talk about port injection for a bit, but it's an easy segue into direct injection, especially when you compare it to a diesel and go, well, here's what the diesels are doing. Here's our direct injection. Here's some of the issues we're running into with injector tips and plugging intake ports, but it takes work. Our post-secondary is a little easier. We have what we call PAC committees, which is program advisory committees. And we meet twice a year and they're industry reps and they come into our school. We sit down and ask them in the post-secondary world, what do you need us to touch on right now? What are you seeing a lot of? And we can tweak and tune post-secondary faster than apprenticeship. And is that more on a college-by-college college basis, or is there kind of a standard curriculum across post-secondaries? Uh, the post-secondary is completely college-specific. So we would say uh, with our college, this is what we do, and I'm sure other colleges are very similar. Apprenticeship is, again, it's a provincial apprenticeship mandate. Here's the curriculum. This is what you're going to teach. So there's some things there where, again, all of us across the province are really hoping for a release of new curriculum. But on the post-sec, that's what we do as, as a Conestoga College uh, Transportation School. Very good. Now, what's, what's one thing that you're most proud of in your curriculum design that you have at the school right now? 
this is going to sound very bizarre, but you know how fast things are changing in the world. One of the things that we're really proud of is the fact that every five years, we have to go through it line by line and make it better. And that's actually coming up for all of my transportation repair courses. So I know it sounds a funny thing to say, I'm proud of the fact that we're changing it. But in five years, it's a good refresh time that we can go in and we can just run through the curriculum and make sure that it aligns with what our program advisory committee members are saying. And of course, my eyes are looking at 2035 when everybody's going to electric only production. I think a lot of people are keeping that date in mind right now. Oh, for sure. Uh, I'm sure gas companies are looking at that as well. Probably in a very different way than you or I. <laughs> kind of yeah, kind of. yeah. <laughs> she and I are hopeful. Well, you know what? EVs need lubricants as well. So just not the same uh, amount. But I think that's one of the things that we look at and go, this is a great opportunity. Again, now that we're in this cycle to refresh curriculum for the next five years, it's really, it's a bit of a gift. At first, we, we saw it as this onerous task where like every five years we have to do curriculum. I am so thankful that we do that because it's, it's going to make a big difference and we can make some really, really good changes. Well, and I think the sign of any good curriculum by nature is that it does change. Absolutely. It, it can't quite be a living document, but it's, it can be close. We can't be so reactive to what's going on in the industry that Every year, people are creating brand new material. Like Peter, we're servicing people, like you said before, that are going to dealerships. Yes. So we want to make sure that we're in touch with them. But we're also dealing with independence. And from a guy who's worked in a dealership and an independent, the dealership would typically see the vehicle for the first quarter of its lifespan. And the aftermarket is going to see like oil changes, routine, routine things. In the first bit, but they look at almost three quarters of the last part of the lifespan. Uh, I remember being here as a, a young instructor, and a student would come up and say, "You've worked on lots of these vehicles. We're having this problem." I, I'd never seen it because I had never worked on a vehicle that model that had two hundred thousand kilometers. After sixty k, it was gone. The independent market, I think, serves. I mean, they do most of the heavy lifting. I mean, the last three quarters of the lifespan is where things start to break down, erode fail, right? For sure. Absolutely. In fact, they're the reasons why the vehicles stay on the road so long because they they do great work. I can remember in the early 90s being on the floor in an independent shop, there was an economic dip at that point and people were really struggling financially. And, you know, typically as a service technician, you would be going to work and you'd be doing maybe in that era, you'd be doing tune-ups and you'd be doing brakes and tires. No, we were putting floor pans in cars. We were doing anything we could to help people get through that economic downturn. You don't see that at the dealership level. However, the dealership level, you're on the cutting edge of what's coming out, and you're usually trained a year or two in advance. So there's pros and cons to both. It's neat. Since we're kind of on the topic of dealers versus independents, I wanted to ask you, because you probably have a unique insight, what percentage would you say of students are going to the dealer side versus the independent. I know the dealer side could be a little sexier. There could be a little bit more prestige behind it. But what are you finding in terms of maybe like a ratio? I guess I'd struggle a bit to give you an exact ratio, but I would say there's certainly a mix. We're certainly getting a blend of students from the post-secondary. Apprenticeship-wise, we probably have about 35%, maybe in that range, maybe 40% of our instru- or students, excuse me, come from 
dealerships and the rest are from uh, the independents. But that's apprenticeships. So the, the dealerships and the independents, they're sending their, their students to us for instruction. On the post-sec side, it's a pretty big spread because you're, you're going to get some people going to dealerships and we see them come back for level three or for advanced level apprenticeship. We get quite a few going into the independents, but we have people going into parts, service advising. And we had one person I could think of. This is interesting. Uh, it was a, a female student and she came through. She was a photographer and she actually photographed cars for a living, but wanted to know more about them. So that was kind of a unique thing. And, oh, wow. and she basically, yeah, she's like, it doesn't really even matter to me if I succeed that well in this course. I just want to be able to understand more of what I'm I'm doing in my day-to-day work. And we were like, well, that's a first. Wow. Okay. Well, well, welcome to the college. So it's pretty broad-based. So racial-wise, I would think that you would see the post-sex most a higher percentage would probably be off to independence, I would think, depending on demand, of course. Very good. I've always been kind of curious what the the split independent market does. It can at times get a kind of a negative spin put on it, but I think that's changing in recent years. That's too yeah. bad. I, I'm not sure why, Peter, to be honest. I'm not sure why they get a negative spin because I found when I was apprenticing in the little two-bay garage, I know those are, are getting rarer all the time, I just found that you had a great rapport with your customers because the customers would come to you and they would, you would do everything. You'd start off with a complaint, you'd do the test drive, you'd fix the vehicle, you'd write up the work order and hand it to them. You did it all. You had that personal touch and the dealerships try to do that, but it's it's a little trickier for them. Yeah, it's it's different when you're working with Jeff's garage as opposed to the huge behemoth that is Ford, for example. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, Jeff, I don't want to keep you all day, so we will let you go. But I did want to give you the opportunity. If there's any sort of closing thoughts or anything we didn't touch on that you'd like to uh, communicate over to our listeners. Well, I think the big thing that I would say is I am very pro-trades. If you yourself or if uh, somebody you know is interested in trades, please ask them to reach out to us. And even if it's information only, I think it's it's a great opportunity to, uh, to grow. Peter, never in my wildest dreams would I ever think that I would be chairing a college. That was never my goal, but my goal was to promote trades and just do my best and work hard and and doors opened and I'm thankful for them. So other than that, I would say just choose wisely. We have lots of calls for actually one of my biggest calls right now for students to go to is actually motorcycle technicians. Motorcycle technicians are are so sought after right now, and people don't see that as a career. They see it as a hobby on the side, but it actually is quite a career. But connect with us. Connect with us. We'd love to talk to you. And how would people get in touch with you, Jeff? Sure. There's a couple ways. Uh, the website is is the easiest way. It's uh, Conestoga C, as in college, dot O-N dot C-A. That's a great way to start off with. But you can also uh, look at trades at Conestoga. That is going to be trade specific. Or if if you're on the website, we are located primarily out of the Guelph campus at Conestoga College. All of our information is on the website. It's easier to go there and look around. But if you just search up trades, motive power, anything like that, it will you will head to one of our emails or one of our phones. And again, anytime, we'd love to chat. 
That's great. And Jeff, one final trip up question before I do let you go. <laughs> Obviously, being a big gearhead, we ask all of our guests this. What is your all-time favorite vehicle? You know, that is a great question. I'll give you a couple here, Peter, sir. I know you asked for one. If we're in the world of exotics, you know, when I was a little kid, I had a Countach on the wall. If somebody had gave me a V12 Countach, I would be very thankful. Um, <laughs> but uh, if we're talking domestics, I love EVs. I love technology, but I don't think I would pass by a 67 tri-power bet. That would be my all-time, the 435 horse tri-power with side pipes. Just saying, if you have one, I'd love to have it for the weekend. You heard it here. If you got one of those lying around, Jeff would love to take it for a spin. For sure. <laughs> All right, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you coming on. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much, Peter. Take care. This has been another episode of Auto Service World Conversations with your host, Peter Bowler. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. And thank you, as always, to SiriusXM Canada for being our title sponsor. Today, we're also sponsored by Apex, the Automotive Aftermarket Parts Exposition, the annual Apex show in Las Vegas this November. It's where the industry meets face-to-face with current partners and new suppliers to discuss products. Take three days to get up to speed on changing standards and technology to handle your customers' toughest challenges. Stay on top of new trends and gain actionable insights to enhance company culture and your management style. For more information and to register, visit www.apexshow.com.